Hello, and welcome to this episode of Not a Lady, a Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman podcast. My name is Sarah. And I'm Kelly. And this is our season one roundup episode. Today we are discussing all things related to the first 17 episodes of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Woo woo! We have made it, we are here, and I'm super excited to talk about all the the expected things we're going to talk about today, but I'm also super excited for all the unexpected stuff that's going to come up. This is the first time that we're not just like sitting here talking about a specific episode, so it's kind of fun. Super fun. But I do keep like looking for my notes to be like, I I feel unprepared, but I am prepared to talk about everything. (laughs) And we have some fun things planned for along the way. And we should already say thank you so much to everyone who wrote in. We had many, many prompts uh, that we had all sorts of people write in and give answers to. A lot of people. Yeah, it was kind of fun reading some people's comments, actually, because it reminded me about stuff that I forgot happened, like when we started this in September of last year. Well, let's jump off with our portraits, episode 17 of season one, our final lessons game. First one I got for you here is from Catherine Cutting on Instagram, who says... I think Michaela learns that even though Sully shows affection towards her, he still has a lot of grief and heartbreak. Michaela realizes that Sully is afraid to love, fearing that he will once again lose someone that is very close to his heart. I think Sully learns that even though he isn't ready to be in a relationship, he still needs to address his affections for Michaela, so as to say that one day he will be ready and he still needs time to grieve and heal. True. Lots of feelings in (laughs) portraits. Yeah, how does that make you feel? (laughs) How does it make me feel? It makes me feel like I have a lot of feelings. (laughs) I said before when we recorded the episode, I think it was good that they had that conversation. I think this comment is, you know, it's kind of like assuming a lot of, you know, what Sully probably is feeling where this whole like, you know, I'm not ready is stemming from because he never actually says he just says he's not ready. But Yeah. yeah, I think I think, you know, what this this person is saying is could could definitely be real reasons that he's holding back as viewers we don't have like a canon reason of about like we're too different and i'm not ready or or what that means so i think we sort of have to put our own yeah like like you said like assumptions or guesses onto what the roots like we've definitely seen Things that, you know, in other episodes that obviously are influencing both Dr. Mike and Sully as far as, like, their relationship goes. But there's very little of a character actually saying, like, I lost my wife and it makes me sad to think about getting married again, you know, (laughs) or something along those lines, which is okay. Like, it would probably be too cheesy if they did do it that way. But there definitely, there has to be, like, audience interpretation. And I think another commenter on Instagram, TV Junk 13 said very similar, where they kind of put their own interpretation on it. Their lesson was, I think in this episode, Sully learns that he wasn't being sensitive towards Mike's feelings. And he was just so busy feeling confused about his own feelings towards her and, of course, towards Abigail. Which, again, he never in this episode explicitly says that he's thinking about Abigail. But we as the viewers, are, you know, that's one of the concrete things we know is he lost his wife in a very tragic way. So obviously it's going to influence how he approaches his next relationship. Right. Julie 
emailed us and I like her lesson, which is, I learned that you don't need a villain or antagonist to tell a good story. Portraits doesn't have a defined bad guy in it. It's all character driven and yet it's very enjoyable, which I like that. Yeah. And connecting to community oriented, totally Nicole on Instagram said, in the finale, you can tell that the town has had an enormous impact on Mike and Mike has had a large impact on the town. All the characters are important to each other and intertwined somehow. I think the minor and secondary characters also hold up the idea or lesson that it really does take a village to raise children since they're always willing to help when the Cooper kids are in need. Which I want to agree with, but I also like remember that somebody like punched Matthew in the face <laughs> in this episode, <laughs> or or he punched someone. I don't know. There was punching involved. <laughs> yeah. Grateful fan emailed us, and one lesson that she learned pertained to the Jimmy Crack Corn song that we talked about a little bit that I basically went off on. (laughs) Which, nope, I think it says a lot about how many things we listen to that we don't know the meaning of. But that's what she was saying. So that was a lesson learned on my part. Know the lyrics before you start jamming out. She also mentioned that she thinks Dr. Mike learned that for some living life to the fullest may not be in the same way that she would live life to the fullest. I did think it was weird that he was going to go to the doctor after he couldn't do photography anymore so that he could live longer without being able to continue his dreams a little backwards at that point but maybe he learned his own lesson in some way which reading this is interesting because I didn't even really think about I don't know I didn't think about that too much but it is a good point that even if he couldn't continue his passion he did want to know how he could prolong his life it felt like in the episode that was his symbolic way of like showing he had given up right which is it's yeah, it's weird because we we want him to choose life in a way, but we don't want him to give up his dreams either. And it felt like yeah, the episode set those up to be in conflict. But I think uh, a grateful fan makes a good point that that was his journey, right? It doesn't have to be our journey. Yeah, but for for him, like he was balancing like I'd re- I'd rather live a short life, but right. live it to the fullest. Versus like, oh, if I can't live it to the fullest, then I'll just live a long life. It is a little weird. (laughs) (laughs) Backwards, yeah. Yeah. One comment we had from a grateful fan, it's not really related to lessons, but was they were like, aren't you glad that in the final episode of the season, Sully went back to his roots of showing up randomly when no one expects him to be there so that we could go, where did he come from? And then we also had someone write in and comment on our... We, we had a discussion about the comment made that Sully and Dr. Mike are too, are too different. The write-in was, It's true that Sully and Mike are alike in many ways. Passion, stubborn, caring, independent, etc. But looking at the era, they're from different classes. Boston high society versus low class, quote-unquote, roughing it. She's been to college. He's been immersed with the Cheyenne. She sleeps in a bed, he sleeps on the ground. She has a family, he doesn't. So there's plenty of differences to fret over, which I think is a fair analysis. It's not a reason why you can't be in a relationship though. (laughs) No, it's not, but they're definitely like, okay, that is some more defined. I think we were having trouble like 
creating lines of like, here's where they're different. So I feel like these are valuable, but my only, my only other comment would be the class system because the class system, obviously I feel like if the characters were in a big city, right, we would feel probably that class difference, but yeah. I don't feel like we see that in the town at all. But they're both like rural, yeah. making it work. Sure, their, their lifestyles are different, but as far as like actually having a class system, I don't feel like Colorado Springs has presented us one. All the divisions in Colorado Springs are pretty much racial. Yeah, Those are well, the most defined lines. Not to mention that Sully probably would say he's different than like everyone. I mean, his living situation is different than everybody else. So that's a good point. They are different. There's not a single person in that town that Sully would walk up to and be like, I'm glad yeah, cool. we like, can relate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thanks for writing point. in those guys. Um, we, I actually, nope, we have one more here from Liz Murray, who says she learned that there actually are or were, uh, sorry, English teacher, inconsistencies in Dr. Might's comments about the Indians. However, different writers every episode, we as fans notice those tiny changes, but a person working 12-hour days on the show didn't realize it, which is true. And I think we've said that numerous times when there's been some inconsistencies of like, well, that stuff's hard to keep track of, even with a show Bible. But yeah, it was a little more noticeable in this episode. And it's a shame, the context. I recall back to Heroes when we had the inconsistency about how old Colleen is versus how old Abigail was. Remember we had a discussion about that? Like, that's an inconsistency that's like, okay, that makes sense no that biggie. you would kind of, like, that could get lost. But, like, having your heroine, who has been definitely a advocate and, you know, as the in terminology of today, an ally of the Cheyenne, to make comments like that, it's really Weird. shocking. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And that's our final lessons of the season. <laughs> So just a little fun thing. We have been keeping track of the most fan posts slash contributors on our social media and via email. And so we would like to give shout out. Woo woo. (laughs) This is your special shout out. (laughs) (laughs) To a grateful fan. And actually we had a second person write in via email and sign their message a grateful fan so we're gonna start calling that person a grateful fan too but our initial (laughs) og grateful fan og yes grateful fan has been emailing us almost every episode and always has great things to say great input yeah and we had a a runner-up julie who has lots of tidbits about dr quinn and loves to share it so thank you both. Yep, thanks guys. On Instagram, we were most contacted via comments, DMs, whatever, by Petulis. So I'm sure you guys have heard us mention her name a number of times, but she had the most responses to us. And the runner-up would be Totally Nicole, who we also already mentioned today. You guys are rock stars. And actually, yeah, it's been really fun getting to read your comments. And even you guys just like checking up on us and stuff is really nice. So thank you. Moving on into... You know what I was thinking? What's kind of fun is like they're listening to the podcast right now, but like they don't know what's going to come next. Like usually, you know, 
sure they don't know exactly what scene will come next but if you've watched it you know like we're gonna talk about it we're gonna make dumb jokes and <laughs> anyway it's i'm just like picturing somebody like listening on their way to work right now and they're like i wonder what's gonna happen next <laughs> that's lame but i don't know why that's why I just yeah. It's kind of fun for me. It is super fun. Our next section, which is going to be probably the longest section of this episode, are our superlatives. And as as you guys know, if you follow us on any of our social media, we were sending out prompts over the course of the past week to when we're recording and got a lot of good write-ins and have a lot of ideas for things to talk about ourselves so we're just gonna wait I want to know did you ever get voted as a superlative like in middle school or high school or something no if you did what what do you think you would have got voted well I know which one I wanted to which was what there was uh, most likely to become an author oh and that's what I wanted I wanted to be voted that one Mm. I got runner-up for class clown when I was in middle school (laughs) yeah really Okay, all our jokes make sense now. No, I don't even think of myself now that way, but yeah, it was weird in middle school. What else? I don't know what else to say. Okay, Kelly, no one believes that. I can ask our family who's the cl- who's the family clown. We would all vote for you. <laughs> Maybe who's the family weirdo? Yeah. Kelly, literally. And then Nick Nick would Nick would be like not far behind you. And you, you and Nick together is like the ultimate chaos. <laughs> What's really funny about that is I'm actually visiting my family right now. And yeah, our youngest brother's home from college. And my mom was on the phone with our dad. And me and Nick were just like messing around. And then my dad said something like, oh, like, what are you guys doing right now? And mom's like, well, Kelly and Nick are together. So you know how that is. And it was really <laughs> funny. He was laughing. All right. Our first superlative is actually being broken down into three parts. So I thought we could talk about these three different things separately, but it is one superlative. A season one scene that makes you angriest, happiest, and saddest. Let's start with angriest because why not? So I was trying to think like when was I the most actually upset at the show? Probably when they're at Grace's Cafe and Hank's like basically attacking Grace. (laughs) Same. Because I did the same. I was like, which which scene like literally made me feel so much anger that if I could have gone through the screen and punched someone, I would have. Right. Yeah. Between, I, I think you, you said the cafe. I also really hate the scene in the in the mercantile and it's not just because like he is really horrible but then robert e does beat him up at the cafe whereas in the mercantile everyone just stands there there and is like oh let it go that's enough you too right like they blame both of them and that made me really angry mad at them too basically hank being the worst to grace the most lovely woman (laughs) okay well maybe in this show (laughs) Like, let's be honest. We've been mad at Dr. Mike sometimes, too. I don't think I've ever been mad at Grace. I mean, yeah, no. What about the opposite, then? What's been the moment that made you the happiest? I had to pick, like, I think any time, like, they were having a family dinner at the homestead and they were all, like, laughing, which sometimes was, like, they were laughing at Dr. Mike's, like, bad cooking yeah. or, or like, just just them being a family like when I think about moments that make me happy in the show like I think even about the you know they always in the credits they have the very final shot is the kids and Dr. Mike all laughing on the wagon I was like 
oh, it's kind of like that, but not maybe not that moment, but like the moments like where they're together as a family and they're having fun. But if I had, but if I had to pick like more specific, I was like, I think. F- Finishing the school, like the town working together to finish the school was pretty happy. Which is related to the episode that I thought of. I thought of that episode, the operation, when Dr. Mike finds Brian on the bridge after she's finished his surgery and he's okay and remembers who she is and everything. That's probably my happiest. I also enjoy when they're all together as a family. I did add, I do like the scene, do you remember, after, what episode is, oh, Running Ghost, where Dr. Mike is basically like, if you kill him, talking about Tate Rankin, if you kill him, yeah. like, I never will speak to you again. And then she finds him and he basically, like, collapsed. And I just like that. It made me happy because I was like, he is who she thought she was. And anyway, I like that scene. It made me happy. That was the question. Stop laughing. No, I think a lot of people like that scene. But when I watch that scene, what I really, all I think about is her going, did you kill him? And he goes, no. And then I want him to go, but he is dead. <laughs> but the buffalo did. Eventually she's going to find out that Tate Rankin was killed. Yeah. And then, and then it's going to be like, but I thought you didn't kill him. I didn't. <laughs> Magic white buffalo, yo. <laughs> Saddest moment. I picked Dr. Mike crying over her dishes in Happy Birthday. Because I think it wasn't just about the dishes, yeah. right? Like in that scene... It was like her mother's letter and like feeling rejected by her mom, feeling lonely, which I think (laughs) let's talk about I'm living through my third round of, uh, you know, in quarantine pandemic because the country I moved to got hit by COVID actually for the first time, like three, four weeks after I got here. And I moved to a new country and now I'm alone in, in my house. And I don't know. So I think that yeah, right now relatable. feels very relatable, like just being lonely. And also just her visions and dreams that she had for herself and what she thought she would be doing. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it's sad because she's crying over the dishes, but it's more like the dishes were something that gave Symbolic her permission to, find, to finally let out tears about a lot of other stuff. Right. No, I agree. I think for me, the saddest moment was when Jake goes back to his shop, locks himself in there after Lauren's already gone in there and dumped out all the alcohol and he drinks and he's drinking that whatever antiseptic thing that he has. And everybody's just like locked out of his shop watching him just like destroy himself himself. after they like already did so. They basically saved his life. Like they did so much for him. That made me. Yeah, that's sad. I don't like that scene. For our write-ins, Swan Bataille on Instagram wrote in that episode two, the epidemic, covered all these bases for them. Made angriest, happiest, and saddest with Dr. Mike getting influenza and all that stuff. Lisa Farber-King said her happiest moment was when Sully kissed Michaela, which we had a lot of people say that. Catherine Cutting said that. Liz Marie said that. I think people, you know, it was small and quick, but... I think it was kind of building up, so that made a lot of people happy. Warriors Faith 15 on Instagram said, any acknowledgement of Dr. Mike and Sully's chemistry in like the whole of the show uh, made them happiest. Rebecca on Facebook also said what I said. I love when Dr. Mike realized Brian could see in the operation. 
Angriest. Catherine Cutting said the angriest moment to me was Michaela in Rite of Passage. Her reaction to Matthew only pushed him further away. Mm. We all can determine she did not handle that situation well. Correct. We also had some other people like Petula say when Mike pretended that Sully stopped grieving. Warriors Faith 15 said Dr. Mike's birthday with Hank and the Reverend's dates lunches. Really? Question mark. Really? <laughs> yeah. Which I think those were kind of funny, but fair enough if that made you angry. <laughs> yeah. Totally, Nicole said, I can't pick one moment that made me most angry, but it has to be anything Ethan Cooper says or does in Father's Day. Agreed. I'm also laughing because Smisha Nisha said the angriest was when Michaela and Sully said they weren't ready for a relationship, <laughs> which is what we just talked about, which... I mean, I think we know that. Can't force it, Smisha. <laughs> I think we know that's a big motivator for people watching this show. We had some people write in about saddest. Petula said she felt saddest when Ethan Cooper was being a jerk. So, yeah, I mean, he either is making people feel angry or sad. So, I Not a Lady podcast censored that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well. Uh, Petulis did not use the word jerk, but as we have established on our show, that is the worst thing that the Not A Lady Podcast sisters are probably going to say about you. Either you're a jerk or you're a butt. Sarah says that, not me. <laughs> I'm more likely to give you a bad nickname. <laughs> Saddest moment for Catherine Cutting was when Charlotte died. We didn't talk about that, but that was sad. And Grateful Fan said the saddest moment was when we, the audience, could see Robert E's scars and later hear him talking about his past as a slave. Which also agree. Yeah, definitely. Next superlative to talk about was Sarah. What was your most surprising moment or event that happened in season one? So I had two for different reasons. Because surprising could mean like shocking surprising. But it also could be thrilling surprising, <laughs> right? Like there's a connotation, denotation, you know, this is my English teacher coming out, right? So for me, I think one of the most surprising moments in season one, which I said this when we watched the episode, but in The Prisoner, where Dr. Mike gets called out by Custer as being a traitor slash co-conspirator in the, the escaping of cloud dancing, mostly because, and I think I said this at the time, but I really have come to expect men to underestimate Dr. Mike because she's a woman. Uh, and the fact that Custer doesn't, and he's like, I can't prove it, but I know you were involved. I, that was surprising to me, like, whoa, in a, a good storytelling way. Yeah. And then my other surprising, which is like the negative surprising, was when Dr. Mike tried to cover for Matthew in Law of the Land when she found out about the cow being killed and she's like, let me handle yeah. it. Olive, I'll just pay you for the cow. And I was like, wait, what? I thought about that one. I don't want to pick the same one as you, but I did think that was pretty surprising. I was thinking more like, basically anything that surprised me was when Hank was trying to be a decent human being. <laughs> so like when Hank went to visit Jake after Jake had his whole alcohol poisoning or when Hank and Dr. Mike went on a date, that was surprising to me because if I was <laughs> like, Dr. Mike, you like, no, this is not a match. So like, why is this even a thing that's happening? 
we had a lot of responses on this one as well. Liz Marie telling us that it was most surprising when Mike and Sully kissed because she never expected it to be so spontaneous. A grateful fan said the most surprising moment for them was when she let Jake take out her tooth in the pilot. I don't care what or to who I'm trying to prove to. Uh, no thank you. <laughs> but honestly, I think that was surprising because it's like, very soon on in the season so you don't really know dr mike yeah. that well yeah Catherine cutting said the most surprising moment for me was when michaela let ethan cooper go which is true audra on facebook says i think the running go scene at the end where the buffalo kills the man then disappeared a little far-fetched and weird for me <laughs> so another kind of surprising unexpected moment our next superlative is your favorite season one set or location. What do you got, Kelly? Well, I think just like any time they're like outdoors in nature is really pretty and I enjoy. I think I obviously enjoy the clinic after it becomes a clinic. But I was thinking like yeah. the time that we get to see the most scenery is probably in bad water when Dr. Mike and Sully are like, hiking up cliffs, coming down the mountain, like getting to do all that. I really mm. enjoyed that episode because it was like, I mean, they weren't in town the whole time. They were outside doing, I don't know, outdoor activities. <laughs> <laughs> On their quest. Yeah. yeah. I definitely sort of agreed because when you have this show that's like about the Wild West, part of you is like, you can't just pick a building because there's so many beautiful landscapes. Right. So I also thought the location of Matthew's vision quest, especially when they do some of those like, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming they had a crane or something, you know, where they're like above him and, you know, there's the trees and the mountains. Like it's a really beautiful location. However, if you were to ask me like, where like if you could go to one of the sets and just explore it I would actually pick Bray's Mercantile because I think there would be so many little details in the Mercantile that I would just love to like explore and touch things right and I would basically get on all of Lauren's nerves because <laughs> I would just want to look and touch everything <laughs> A grateful fan wrote an email and actually agreed with you that the rocks in bad water, especially in the scene where they're drying their clothes after being in the river, that was also their favorite location. Audra said the school once it's built, which is a great one. Didn't think of that. And Catherine Cutting said my favorite scene set or location was where they filmed Sully and Michaela searching for Brian in the pilot. So again, so we got a lot of nature lovers yeah, here. I love it. You're, you came to the right place. <laughs> Our next superlative is best season one costume, which I know you're probably dying to talk about. <laughs> you know what I realized? In the future, I want to do more research about period costumes and like the correct things. The thing is, I know a lot about Edwardian era costuming and medieval, but I don't know much about the West. <laughs> but I do notice costumes. That is true. Especially like silhouettes so I really want to learn more so I had kind of two picks I liked Dr. Mike's hurdy-gurdy dress which is that like pale blue and then her founder's day dress like which is the purple one and it's probably not even just because I mean they are two of like the prettiest dresses that she wears for sure Jane Seymour looks stunning but also because it's cool to see her dressed up 
like for an occasion, yeah, right? It's not her regular, like if she wore dresses like that all the time, those dresses would probably stand out less. But since she's kind of moved into her more country doctor clothing, which I also love, that those, you know, nicer like party dresses stand out more. But I also have to say costume, I also want to include a shout out for like hair. I love her hair. on Christmas Eve in the pilot. I remember when we talked about that. <laughs> she has really pretty hair as it is, but if I could do that with my hair, and my hair was that long, I would do it. Hey, well, like, you could be bald for all they know. <laughs> the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that image now that they You're all welcome. have. <laughs> yes, she's actually bald. My favorites are the, like, country Dr. Quinn. Anytime she's wearing... I, like, hate that I don't have a better name for this, but that long, like, Carhartt-looking jacket. I love that. Her trench coat. But it's not. It's like a... It's not. It's like a rancher. I don't know. I like it. Also, do you remember my... I had a theory about that jacket that I'm pretty sure that was Charlotte's jacket. Yeah, you did say that. Or somebody brought that to our attention, or that was your original idea. No, I think it was mine. I'm taking credit. (laughs) I also enjoy any combination when she'll have, like, a collared shirt and, like, a vest... And then her skirt. Like, she'll have these puff sleeve with the vests. I just like her vests, all of them. Why did vests go out of fashion for women? I don't know. I still wear vests. Well, they're not really vests, to be honest. But not like hers. Like, I'm talking like her vests. I will say we have to give a shout out to Sully's poncho, his red poncho, because I love that thing. (laughs) And Catherine Cunning would agree with you. The red and black poncho that Sully wore. And the thing is, again, this is a costume piece that... I would have told you that maybe only shows up in the pilot, but actually it shows up, it does show up a couple other times and it, that's what makes it stand, stand out more when he does bring it out because you're like, oh yeah, the cool. He wore it a lot in the pilot and then it's only showed up like here and there in a few other episodes, but. Totally Nicole, <laughs> if we haven't figured out already, has a deep hatred for Ethan Cooper, but even so, very much enjoyed Mike's blue dress from Father's Day, which um, you brought up. Her point was, which is why I still watch that episode despite hating Ethan Cooper, because she likes her dress. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, totally fair. Next on the list, hope you guys are still tuning in. This one is favorite secondary or minor character in season one. I don't know the difference. In my mind, secondary is a reoccurring character. Minor would be the kind of characters who you know only show up in a couple episodes right i wrote grace cloud dancing and wolf but all of a sudden it just came to my mind that why don't we give horace enough appreciation we talked a lot in this season about how horace always surprised us (laughs) and i feel like i should say horace because it's unfair but cloud dancing yes cloud dancing is who i was wolf i love them all but maybe i should throw some some praise horace's way i also thought cloud dancing but also lauren i love lauren (laughs) like i just you love lauren or do you love orson bean (laughs) i both both Both. (laughs) because yeah i just i don't know what it is but i really like grumpy old men who internally have a soft spot (laughs) i just do You like your Ebenezer Scrooges, eh? Yeah. (laughs) Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman on Instagram, sorry, that's their username, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, says, I think the secondary characters in season one are particularly well-written. They always add something to the story, whether it's reflections, tensions, character evolutions. They are always very useful, and they bring the series a much more realistic aspect 
of America of the 19 the America of the 19th century. They further lend credibility to all aspects of the series. They are, in a way, personality stereotypes of this historical period, allowing spectators to be immersed in the world of the 19th century. This sounds like you. Did you write this? <laughs> I did not. What I was about to say is, I couldn't have said it better myself. It literally sounds like you wrote that. <laughs> Mommy of Amelia said, I like Emily. Which is interesting, because I feel like I don't really know anything about Emily. <laughs> Other than... Her husband died, Dr. Mike gave her a C-section, and she's in the quilting circle. And she got married and moved away. Well, but she, I think she's the one who, like, she's one of the first people to really befriend Dr. Mike after Charlotte dies. That's because Dr. Mike, like, slices her open, and she sees that it worked. Okay, it's not because she slices her open, it's because she saves her baby's life. Come on, medical student. (laughs) Uh, totally Nicole says, almost all the secondary characters have a backstory and we get an insight into who they are as people rather than just being bland. They bring conflict to the story and every good story needs conflict. It's true. They all do kind of have their own storytelling. I'd be interested to know who your favorite character is, Totally Nicole. Your favorite secondary character though. Probably not Ethan Cooper. (laughs) (laughs) Rebecca said, my favorite secondary characters are Grace and Robert E. I love their interactions in The Visitor. We love Grace and Robert E. Agreed. Our next superlative is the most hated season one villain slash antagonist. Stankin' Rankin'. (laughs) Stankin' Rankin'. I wrote Tate. Actually, the worst. Yes. Let's take into consideration that we, like, actually see him murder someone on screen. I'm pretty sure he's the only villain that we see. Obviously, Custer doing his own thing off screen. Yeah. But, you know, you try to mess with Sully. No. Not good for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's why. I didn't even think about that. (laughs) You forgot that he almost killed Sully? Mm, Yes, I did. You just were worried about the buffalo. Well, my all I can think is he literally is just shooting buffalo for no reason. <laughs> Which, hey, priorities. <laughs> I'm not saying that's good either, but it is interesting that I think about Sully and you think about the animals. And honestly, guys, that is how we are in real life. <laughs> Wait, no, that sounds bad. That sounds like I only care about like attractive men or something. Like, that's not true. That's not true at all. Or like Kelly cares about people. And I... Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> it's a little more effort for me. <laughs> yeah, we both said uh, Tate Rankin. And then I... I mean, I obviously put Custer on there because Custer's freaking annoying and I don't like him. And I mean, that goes for historical, obviously, reasons as well. Like, that's a real character that there's a background. I didn't put Custer just because within the context of season one, Custer... <laughs> Season one and what I know like Custer is going to go on to do, he's he's going to get a whole lot worse. Let's put it that way, right? Mm. Without giving spoilers. <laughs> but I was like, if I pick Custer here, then he's got nowhere to go to become the most hated guy. <laughs> he can't already be because I know he's going to hit that point. One of the most hated. Obviously, I don't like Custer. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I feel like for season one, he's not... One of our worst. I also, don't at me, but I also kind of put Olive as not necessarily a villain, but definitely as a a foil and an antagonist of our heroine. Um, And I think part of that is, of course, because I feel like Olive is a little bit under-motivated as a character and inconsistent, but also just because 
the number of times we talked about yeah. something Olive said or did and we just like wanted to roll our eyes and be like, are you kidding me? Like, why are you like this? There's no good reason mm-hmm. for you to be like this. Yeah. So I kind of threw Olive in there as someone that I was just like, girl, I'm over you. Move on. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that Catherine Cutting agreed with us because she said General, well, with me, she said General Custer and Audra said, the guy in Running Ghost who beats up Stully, again, also known as Stankin' Rankin. <laughs> Liz Marie and Grateful Fan both sent an email saying that they hated Ethan Cooper, the children deserved better, and while he's not technically a villain, it's one thing for someone to steal money or horses or whatnot, but the way a father can affect the rest of his child's life is astronomical, and what he does to his kids, and not just his kids, like, of course we think about, we can't think about Ethan Cooper without thinking about Charlotte and, like, how he treated her. Well put. Next up, I feel like a radio announcer or something. Like, <laughs> and our next winner, and our next superlative is the funniest season one moment scene. This was hard for me because I'm like, there it were so really many hard. times that I was like, that, like, I would write in my notes, like, ha, or like, like dying laughing, or like, we would talk about it. What made you bust up laughing then? I think at the top of the list has to go the skunk attack in Bad Water. <laughs> skunk attack! <laughs> the skunks are just bullies. Okay, Hank. Right? Like, yeah. and then, um, and then them, like, washing their clothes in the water. That is and funny. Just, like, all of the skunk That honestly things. is really funny. And I love that when William Shockley is, like, actually laughing. <laughs> I just love that. Yeah, same. So, I mean, that one is at the top of my list. Like, if someone were to, someone were to ask me, like, show me a really funny scene in the show, I would be like, okay, let's watch the skunk part. As far as, like, also just, like, within the context of what Dr. Quinn is about, I also... I wrote, like, Lauren's surgery in the healing, but That's it's not... funny to you? That's funny to you, no, no, Sarah? It's... Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's not the actual surgery, yeah. but it's Horace narrating. narrating the surgery to the crowd outside. Yeah. <laughs> Scooping his guts out. Yeah, that is really funny. What I thought of is I really like the episode, The Visitor, when Dr. Mike's mom comes. And there's a couple things that happen there, like just like mm-hmm. things that Brian says or whatever. But I really do like the scene where Sully's outside and Elizabeth is like, sad, there's savage out there. And then Dr. Mike's <laughs> like, savages don't knock, mother. Which is really funny because yep. now I'm actually reading that somebody else emailed us about that. I didn't see that until Grateful now. fan 2.0. I didn't see that. Yeah, also said one of my favorite slash funny lines from season one is when Dr. Mike says, savages don't knock, mother. Yeah. <laughs> and Grateful fan 2.0 also added, I love all the scenes with Sully and Brian, but one funny scene is when Brian is asking Sully about his first name, which I had kind of forgotten about that, but he's like, it's not a fit name for a, for a deer or a man, much less a deer. So. My favorite is they're like, we won't laugh. And then he's like, Byron. And they're like, Byron? <laughs> OG Grateful Fan says, in the pilot, when Dr. Quinn is trying to get on the horse and looking at Robert E's face, because there's yep. no attempt to help her at all either, but just confused or amused or who knows what at her attempt to try to mount this horse. Or her cooking in the pilot and the flour going everywhere. I mean, you're a doctor and scientist. You know how to measure and be precise with stuff. Why can't you bake some biscuits without ingredients flying into the air? Yeah. <laughs> mostly I just Accurate. laugh because I remember us, you being like, yeah, that's me. 
<laughs> it is. Except except I said, I think I would be do a better job of keeping yeah. the ingredients in the bowl. Yeah, Liz Marie also kind of echoed that and said Dr. Mike, quote unquote, cooking, but also in portraits when Brian says he swims naked. <laughs> Catherine Cutting says the funniest scene in Bad Water when Sully, Michaela, and Matthew met up with Horace and the others. And that was kind of similar <laughs> to what you were describing earlier. And Audra agreed. Yeah. I laugh every single time. Can we say the musical score for those parts is on point? <laughs> Shout out to the composers. Oh, man. I just want to, I honestly just want to rewatch that. Talking about it makes me want to rewatch it. Accurate, yeah. Our next superlative is season one game-changing moments. Again, game-changing could have a number of different interpretations. True. What you got? So, I said a couple things. Immediately, I do think about Dr. Mike hiding Black Kettle. What episode was that? The pilot, silly. That's oh, wow. like one of her okay, first surgeries. So that, well, that's my point is it's very early in the season. And I think it's game changing because it really gives us an idea of who Dr. Mike is, what she's about. Yeah. She's willing to help and do anything. And that was risky. I mean, hiding, like that's risky. Yeah. I also think about her idea to use the boarding house as a makeshift clinic during the influenza epidemic. That was pretty instrumental because not only does it lead way to her actually using the clinic full time but i think it did a lot of favors for a lot of people and i think also when everybody kind of chips in to help with the schoolhouse i think that's pretty monumental because it says a lot about their community and the lengths they're willing to go to support one another between the clinic setting up the clinic and like even everyone who ends up helping in the clinic and then also like true similar to everyone getting involved in building the schoolhouse. I think those are both game-changing moments. I echoed both of those. I also kind of felt like when the town was concerned about Dr. Mike getting shot in bad water, we kind of just talked about it, but when they find the guy shot and with the note that's like trespassers will be shot or whatever and like everyone's like we got to do something we can't let her go in there alone you know they rally together and the group of guys that end up going and then of course i think dr mike and sully i guess going behind custer's back to save cloud dancing true uh, especially when through most of the episodes you know she's trying to gain support from the town gain support from the reverend and in the end they're just like you know what we're taking justice into our own hands in this way so that's pretty pretty game changing no definitely Liz marie <laughs> said that when Sully helps Mike with her shirt in bad water, that scene doesn't have much dialogue, but you can feel what they're feeling. Great chemistry. Again, I, I think that's like a different take on the word game-changing. <laughs> but It is. Um, Acceptable. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that whole trip, actually, let's be honest, the whole trip in bad water is kind of game-changing for their relationship. Like, I would agree with that. True. A grateful fan <laughs> kind of said... Game-changing moment. I want to say the birthday kiss, but was it? <laughs> I, I don't think it was it wasn't. because nothing really came of it. No, which, you know what, <laughs> is the reason I liked it, but also, yes. Maybe it was game-changing for the viewers because we're like, now they have to get together. And then the show's like, psych. Right, which honestly, <laughs> that's more like real life, so I'm into it. Subfishfish on Instagram also <laughs> commented about bad water, saying the moment when Sully combs Michaela's hair and when he puts his poncho on her in the pilot. Oh, another notch to the symbolism of that poncho. It only comes out <laughs> at very important moments. 
You know what? I didn't actually notice that that was the poncho that he put over her. I thought it was a blanket. But now that they said that, it totally was his poncho. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa Farber King said the pilot had the most game-changing moments. And Badwater was... Oh, echoing what I just said. Badwater was game-changing for Mike and Sully's relationship. Yeah, the pilot is setting everything up. So it's definitely going to have the most defining and game-changing parts. Nice. Catherine Cutting... Oh, man, I forgot about this. She said when Sully gave blood to Lauren. Forgot about that. That's a good one. As well as somebody else, Warriors 15, Faith 15, says the birthday kiss. First real acknowledgement of their feelings and a possible future. Also, when Dr. Mike goes to Sully and the Cheyenne for help, which is pretty early on. Totally, Nicola said. Season one's game-changing moment was when Michaela decided to hide Chief Black Kettle from the army. This sets the tone for her relationship with the Cheyenne. And Sully. She didn't write that. I'm adding (laughs) for the rest of the show and is an important storyline in season one and the remaining seasons. Right. Speaking of powerful and emotional moments. Power, most emotional moment. Well, I had to say the two moments that made me cry, but I did talk about that I was in a very emotionally vulnerable state when these, when watching these scenes, but I don't think that makes them any less emotional so brian and zach in the secret i cried and the the photograph the town photograph at the end of portraits i mean i teared up so i definitely feel like sentimental yeah i think of the moment between dr mike and sully in the hallway before brian's having his surgery after i mean dr mike kind of has that outburst like in the room i mean yeah mind you all of didn't help but you know they're just talking and he's like reassuring her and i found that very emotional very intimate very sentimental for her to be able to be vulnerable and share her feelings but i also was thinking about yeah when zach is in the saloon and he shows hank the drawing of his mom Mm. i thought that was pretty emotional because you see hank get like teared up and again anytime hank has any like human emotion i'm just like okay what is this feeling (laughs) (laughs) what am i feeling right now yeah 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 grateful fan has a great one saying that the intro gets her every time. The music and seeing the characters bring it back for me each and every time I hear the song. I do love that song. You see that train and you hear that orchestra and you're like, <laughs> Catherine Cutting actually agreed with you and said that the most emotional scene was when Sully and Michaela were in the hallway during the operation. Totally Nicole said her most emotional moment was when Brian asked Dr. Mike if he could call her Ma too. The way she looks to Matthew and Colleen for permission makes me want to cry a little every time. That is a sweet moment. Next superlative, favorite season one guest star. Which, if anyone has listened to this show, should not be that hard to figure out for Sarah. (laughs) What are you talking about? I picked the most unexpected answer ever, which is... JGL, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I would pick Kenny Rogers. I thought he did a really good acting job. I like Kenny Rogers as a musician, so... The majority of you wrote in saying... I'm not even going to list everybody because a lot of you said Johnny Cash, obviously... Grateful fan said my favorite answer ever. (laughs) The bear in a cowboy's lullaby. (laughs) Or Kenny Rogers. Honestly, though, that's really funny. That bear did do a good job. That bear freaked me out. We should find that bear. Give him an award. The rabid bear that I was like, just tomahawk him in the face. Yeah, which is <laughs> Meanwhile, like 30 minutes ago, I was like, oh, I was thinking about the buffalo. I know. 
<laughs> Seriously. Whitley on Facebook also said Kenny Rogers. And Catherine Cutting brings up a good one. Diane Ladd, who plays Charlotte. She says Charlotte was a great character and Diane did a wonderful job. And that's true. She embodies that character well. Well, and it's so funny because Charlotte is such an integral part of the story. And I feel like I didn't even think about her as being like a guest star. But technically, she only was in one episode. But without Charlotte... There's no storyline. Basically, the most game, game-changing game moment should be when Charlotte gives Dr. Mike her kids. That's true. Why didn't we say that? We're horrible. <laughs> I don't, because we forget that Diane Ladd made this show. Or I guess props to Beth Sullivan for writing Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a really big deal. And uh, thank you for calling her out. It's funny to me that there were so many other than Diane Ladd, obviously. Well, I don't know. She might be a singer. Is she a singer? We don't, I don't know. (laughs) But like Kenny Rogers, Johnny Cash, and John Schneider, who was in A Cowboy's Lullaby, all musicians performing in Western. I wonder if there's some sort of theory about this. Um, Obviously, we know there was some personal connections between cast members but it is really interesting that some of the the favorites of fans as far as guest stars go are all musicians and they all sang in their episodes and speaking of singing (laughs) i'm not good at this we now interrupt our regularly scheduled season one roundup to bring you kelly singing a cowboy's lullaby (laughs) yes it's a cowboy's lullaby i thought it might be fun to include a little musical interlude, so please enjoy my version of Cowboy's Lullaby. available on soundcloud (laughs) it's not yet but i can put it up there if you want you should you should i think our fans all want to support your your (laughs) musical endeavors loved it thanks kel you're welcome thanks for listening guys running back to our superlatives we have favorite medical procedure let's see how much you paid attention to me talking (laughs) as far as showcasing dr mike's I don't know if 
spontaneity or ingenuity is the right word, but like working with what she has. I really uh, liked Black Kettle's tracheotomy, right? Where she uses like the feather and stuff. Just because I feel like it's cool to see her be, I guess, creative. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is in that way. Thinking on her feet. Like thinking on her feet. Yeah. I also liked the Doc Eli and Dr. Mike working on Myra's oovectomy. Oovectomy, nice. Okay. (laughs) That word. That was pretty good. I remembered the ooh-ooh part. <laughs> I liked the aspect of them working together uh, to, to do that. I agree. I think my favorite was definitely Brian's open brain surgery, which was for a lot of reasons. I think mostly because I enjoyed Dr. Doc- I mean, I, I think it's really interesting. But also I think seeing Dr. Mike not be super confident, dealing with this internal emotional struggle of having to operate on someone she knows and loves and you know all the weight that that holds if he doesn't wake up the same person so yeah I really enjoyed the operation that that episode as a whole but I think his open brain surgery was my favorite and second place would be uh Horace's blister (laughs) I'm kidding (laughs) oh gross I'm just saying there was a lot of like random stuff like that like random people yeah Yeah. a grateful fan said Lauren's hernia the play-by-play from Horace and the roller coaster it all turned into was all entertaining which also Audra kind of agreed and said when Jake faints during Lauren's surgery that she thought that was the best part ever and Catherine Cutting just put the the whole of the healing all right I'm in trouble because our next superlative (laughs) is favorite slash best season one historical reference or fact I this was too hard for me because honestly I've had so much fun pulling out so many of the historical things. I think there, if I had to pick favorites, there were like the little things that where, yeah. where you would be like, oh, I didn't think of that having any historical reference, you know? And I'd be <laughs> like, let me tell you about this really cool thing. One thing that got me the most excited was in Law of the Land when they were looking for a sheriff and one of the ways that they were testing that was like interviewing people and then having them shoot at bottles and the guy was like I ran with the James gang and the Dalton gang and I was like can I talk to you about Wild West Outlaws and you were like whoa you're like so excited about this but (laughs) I was like oh didn't know you were gonna go into this but no I did find that interesting I think that one was super fun but I have to say like this show is fun because it gives you so much opportunity to dig as a person who loves history like from the last episode in portraits where Dr. Mike's like I once saw uh, Daniel Webster's portrait and it was creepy and then we looked up his portrait and we're like oh yeah he's kind of creepy you know just like little yeah. stuff like that to to other like little weird facts like that the um the t- Morse kind of came up with the idea of the telegraph on a boat yeah, that was called the Sully like just random just random stuff like that is really interesting and then at the same time I also think about like learning about the stuff that we that we didn't study in school like the Sand Creek Massacre or I don't know if you remember when we were talking about Bloody Knife uh, mm-hmm. who was um, Custer's oh, like Oh that right probably hand. is my favorite. I enjoyed learning about that. Things like that where where things that we just don't learn in history that that unfortunately because we don't know these things we're really not getting a full view of yeah. history. So I think I 
I really just appreciated being the one not only to like look for that stuff and share it, but also learn some of it myself for the first time. I enjoyed learning little things from you like that. I enjoyed learning about Black Kettle and the treaty and all. I think that's probably, I really enjoyed learning about the Mm. treaty and everything. I forget the name of the Indian that helped like with the treaty that then they like. Something bear. Uh, Lean bear. I was, I knew it was bear something. Lean bear. I enjoyed learning about that. And even just little stuff, like even a couple weeks ago when you were talking about the bouquet toss, like, like things that I had no idea where the history came from. So you're a good teacher. (laughs) Well, you know, we learn about history so that we don't repeat it. And I think, you know, it definitely American history. There's a a lot of hard stuff that's hard to talk about, but still just as important and relevant to things that are happening today. So, right. And that's, I guess that's definitely a special part of this show, but we also, as viewers need to recognize that this show is literally giving us like a glimpse of things and it's up to us to actually do the research and, and learn the truth and, and how it has impacted entire cultures and people groups. You know, I'm, I'm namely, of course, thinking about the, the Native Americans um, and, and indigenous people of North America, but also, yeah, like the immigrants and, and their descendants and all that, telling yeah. their story because their voices matter too. And as much as this is a show about... A, a white woman during a period where being a woman meant you were quote unquote worth less. Obviously, Dr. Mike's experience is not even as marginalized as like, if you think about, you know, obviously um, African Americans and those who, who had lived as slaves and the, the immigrants as well as the indigenous peoples and and the many more that I'm sure that I've glossed over, but Mm. getting the, getting a, a, a full picture and recognizing that all of those pieces are parts of what built America up to what it is today for better and, you know, sometimes for worse. Right. Audra on Facebook similarly brings up that there are so many to choose from, but I'd have to say the historical events they put in about Indian conflicts and how they actually happened. Liz Marie said, I love Sully and Mike's conversation at the beginning of the epidemic and how much there is to unpack in such a short scene, which was where we had a discussion about who was president and mm, that's where Lean Bear came up. That's where we talked about Johnson. Um, We would later go on to talk about Seward and the purchase of Alaska. So lots to connect there. And a grateful fan said, that their favorite historical fact was the Mad Hatter tidbit, which was something you taught us. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Don't, it had something to do with Mercury, right? I kind of forget, actually. Yeah, basically, the women that were making hats were getting exposed to Mercury, and so they were starting to have all these cognitive mental issues, so that's where it came mad as a hatter. That yeah. one is super cool. So way to go, you. Oh, thanks. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> what about your favorite theme or lesson? Which, obviously, we talk about a lot, but... Yeah, and I have to say, like, I think it's probably obvious in this podcast, but this is definitely something that I feel really strong... <laughs> Benji! Okay, continue. I know it's probably obvious from the podcast, but I do feel, like, our discussion of like lessons and themes is like one of the most 
important parts of this podcast for me. And I think that's just where like my passion for like art having significance in not not just like in a cheesy way, like making the world a better place, but also like making sure that anytime we are telling stories or sharing stories, that it's saying something about the world or about people and about, you know, the future of us, our children, our children's children, you know, all that kind of stuff. So for me, I think what I love about Dr. Quinn, and we've talked about a lot of themes and a lot of lessons, but I think there's an overall sense of found family as well as like blood family and community and what that means to live in community with imperfect people. People have to love one another despite the fact that they all come from different backgrounds and and have differences of opinion and you know have different experiences but like this idea of coming together and I also I mean let's be honest like I think one of the most relevant themes and people will make fun of Dr. Mike for all the speeches she gives and by people I mean like viewers like everyone makes jokes like Dr. Mike can fix anything with a good speech and that's not reality but what I like about it and obviously it's easier for her to speak up as like the town doctor and a white woman than it is maybe for like someone like Grace or cloud dancing right to like speak up but this idea of speaking up again against injustice and speaking up for what you believe is right because it's it's preaching the opposite of what I think some cultural stances are which is very much like a bystander stance right where we watch and we think in our head that's wrong that shouldn't be happening but then we don't say anything or do anything right which is exactly what I said that my favorite theme for this show was one what you said I stole yours family above all else is a huge thing which I think is awesome and a reason I like this show so much but also yeah fighting for what you believe not being afraid to do or say something is a main theme every single episode so yeah it's a reason I really like this show it's also family friendly it's wholesome it's not boring it's funny it's serious like it's so many things but I would say those are the two main things like you said speaking up and family which are yeah like deep things like some people I know watch tv to just like forget about life and you know just distract your mind but I think this show does a lot more than that which is what I'm looking for when I'm watching tv Mm. Yeah, and Catherine Cunning kind of echoed this and said that the themes that she enjoyed was Sully's healing, which I'm sure is like both physically and maybe some emotionally, and Michaela and the children like calling him family, so this idea of family. Audra, which will be interesting to see what you think about this, says, Olive and Mike coming together to form a relational bond after Lauren's surgery. The way Olive tells Dr. Mike that no matter what happens, she doesn't blame her and knows she did everything she could for her brother. It's a touching moment. No, it is. And we, we liked that scene when we talked about yeah. it. I think, I think the reason we kind of forget about it is because... because all the stuff that happens after. Well, yeah, like the olive from that episode never kind of shows up again. <laughs> Julie said that season one only has 17 episodes, but a reoccurring theme, which I wouldn't call this a theme. I would call this more of like foreshadowing um, or, or more of like a reoccurring subject is that the railroad is coming and we see Sully specifically pushing back at the idea of quote unquote progress each time. 
Um, and, and that maybe is more of a theme, like Sully fighting progress, like this fight against what people call progress, which, which really in portraits we talked about is greed and wanting more and all this kind of thing. And, but the, the railroad coming obviously is definitely a topic. It's a subject that shows up over and over again, which is, is very notable. The next one, can't wait to talk about this, inconsequential <laughs> character or plot lines. So things that they could have or should have cut out. Personally, and people might disagree with me on this, I think Ethan Cooper coming back was too soon. Yeah, because what episode is that? Well, and I don't even mean too soon in this season. I think it could have been saved for a future season. Because, I mean, as a whole, Father's Day wasn't a very balanced episode, I would say. But also just him coming in not too long after Charlotte's death died doing what he does and all that kind of like I almost feel like it would have been more impactful if we had had the Cooper kids like alone with Dr. Mike for longer I just felt like it was too early in the season where we were just establishing Dr. Mike's relationship with the the kids and like living with her and then having him show up I feel like it actually would have been stronger if we had had the children a little more conflicted Right. But I feel like it would have been more impactful if we had given the family, Dr. Mike and the kids' family, like more time, like a whole season to be a family and then bring him in and then have that real tear. Right. The other thing that I would kind of argue, and I hate to do this, but I think it was poorly used. So there's the cloud dancing does the ceremony on Dr. Mike during the epidemic, which is what ends up... Um, they've run out of the quinine or whatever, and that's what ends up healing her of her influenza. And it's not that I don't like the idea of cloud dancing performing native remedies on Dr. Mike. I just think in the context of the episode, it was not explained very well. And then the fact that they bring her back so that everyone else can also be healed because of the tea. Like, it was weird. Like, why did she have to go... <laughs> into the woods to do this, to, to then come back with the tea to give to everyone, which would heal some of the rest of the people. They were trying to do something, which was introduce more native remedies into the show, which I like. I like when Dr. Mike is learning from cloud dancing, but I don't think it worked within the context of that particular episode. Right, those are both like more serious things. I just think <laughs> Colleen's obsession with Sully and heroes, totally unnecessary, did not need to be an entire episode plot line. Honestly, you could have done that without that whole, ep yeah, you could have done without the whole episode and your life would be better, actually. <laughs> Which, grateful fan, my homegirl. Yeah, <laughs> your homegirl. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, you two often agree with each other. <laughs> because she wrote us and said, I think this was supposed to be probably about an ins inconsequential character, but I think the whole episode, Heroes, was totally unnecessary. The plot and the character development literally added nothing. The relationship between Colleen and Horace's nephew didn't even turn into anything in later episodes this season either. Uh, yeah. Like, what? What was the point of that? Like, just to be like, oh, see, we don't feel as bad for her now because a boy her age likes her. Like, it's just so dumb. The whole thing was so dumb. 
it was just weak, right? I think that's fair because I, I think you're right. Like if you did just like remove that episode, what would it change? It wouldn't really change anything. <laughs> nope. Anyways. Totally Nicole wrote in and said, they definitely could have cut Cowboy's lullaby. What was even the point of that? I think she means the episode as a whole. She does mean the episode as the whole. I feel like I could vouch for Cowboy's lullaby because that was also about racism right like the Mm -hmm. way that they treated that baby yeah simply because he had an indian mother i think we also they wanted to have that moment where we we as the audience realized how much losing his baby meant to sully the fact that he's like if i could have my kid back you know i'd never let them out of my sight and then later with the bear which obviously nicole the bear we what about the, the bear best character <laughs> the best minor character um guest star guest star the best guest star but when he tells dr mike like he wants to take the baby like this idea of what that means but mm. it was also we were getting the reference that when they ask black kettle and and cloud dancing to take the baby and they're like we barely have enough food to feed ourselves like that's that's like such a small thing but i hope people realize like historically native tribes were forced onto reservations and then literally were like starving to death you know like i don't it's not a beautiful part of american history but it's something that happened and something that's impacted you know tribes that are still in present day and anyway right so i feel like maybe the whole no shade to john schneider but like his particular character with the the thieving and then giving up the money like it's it's almost weirdly similar also to like father's day in a weird way right but but i think there were significant like beats that they were trying to hit for sully's character as well as for like the town's perspective on race and and even like this idea of like mixed race which is they didn't dive into it that deep but i think they were trying something and i don't know yeah that they quite hit the mark but they tried Concerning a inconsequential character, Petula says, Emily, I hated her. I don't think her character helped the story of the development of the other characters. She was just there. I mean, I kind of said that. <laughs> I kind of said, like, she just exists as, like, a minor, minor townsperson that we know, like, a little bit about. But I'm not, I mean, well, you, caught, you probably could have done without her. I'm sorry to that actress. <laughs> In the defense of Emily, I don't know why I'm defending everything in the defense of Emily, if her baby is not born by Dr. Mike, then Dr. Mike doesn't connect with Emily, and Emily doesn't tell Dr. Mike, hey, you want to get decisions made in this town? Join the quilting club. Is it a club? Circle. <laughs> the quilting circle. The club. It could have been any character, though. You know what I mean? It could have been any character, and it would have been fine. Fair. Fair point. It's fine. It could have, but it wasn't any character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, and well, and this, I feel like these two kind of tie in together. So we just talked about things that you would kind of be okay with them giving up or leaving out. And now we're going to talk about characters slash plots or ideas that you wish had been expanded on in season one. What do you think, Kel? I mean, there's plenty of things that probably could have been given more context. And, you know, some of it may, we may get more of as you watch later seasons. But 
I think, obviously, there could have been a lot more given on the Cheyenne, but especially Sully's connection to them. I think we get a lot more information I expected on Sully and his background, but even then, like, there's a lot that we don't understand. Like, okay, Mm. well, when his wife died and his child died, how, how did he end up spending so much time with the Cheyenne? How did they accept him? How did he become, even have any inkling towards this lifestyle? The other thing I was thinking is, well, just as a medical person... I think Dr. Mike's medical background, I think there's just a lot that doesn't get explained other than, like, her dad was a doctor, she worked in his clinic. At some point, she's like, I'm a surgeon. I personally would like to know more of her background and more of the stuff she dealt with, but I get why it's not that important for the show. And the only other thing I would say is David, which Mm. we, again, if you watch more seasons, you probably will get more information. But, yeah, he's just sprinkled in there here and there, and I think, like... There could have been a lot more information given about that part of Dr. Mike's life and that relationship and how that affected the choices she made after that because I think it definitely did. Yeah, I would agree with all of those. Like Sully, we mentioned Abigail and like Dr. Mike, we mentioned David, but they don't actually let those characters really explore those relationship those relationships past. They mm-hmm. let them explore some of their feelings about them. But they don't actually explore, like, them as people. Like, we don't know what Abigail was like. We don't know what David was like. I also agree I would have loved a lot more Native American exploration. I think Matthew and Colleen got the short end of the stick. All of Matthew, the Matthew-centric episodes are centered around Matthew and Ingrid. Which is kind of interesting because usually that's, like, a thing they do with female characters. Where if they're focusing on them, it's always, like, they're relationships we didn't really get to know Matthew as a character himself out like in most of the rest of the episodes the pilot like set up some things about him but then so I agree also with everything that you said uh some of our write-ins Lisa Farber King said I wish they had expanded on Charlotte's character and that she was around longer which Catherine Cutting also agreed Charlotte we got a good glimpse of her character but not what motivates her so that's really interesting like I wonder how the story would have changed if if Charlotte had been kept around longer and and right. we'd been given an opportunity to really establish that friendship between Dr. Mike and Charlotte it would have changed a lot of things but it would have been it would have been interesting definitely Warriors Faith 15 says they would have liked to know more about Hank's backstory. How and why did he start the saloon? Um, And totally, Nicole agrees with you in saying that she wishes Colleen and Matthew had been expanded on, especially in the pilot, because we learn about them, but not as much as I think we could have. There is a lot more that's focused on Brian, and that is true. You said that. Now, we had a split decision, right? In In the last, Petulis was like, away with Emily. But then we have Robin... And Alex both said, I wish Emily would have stayed in the show. I liked her character. I really wanted her to continue to become close to Dr. Mike. Interesting enough, Julie also said that two minor characters introduced in season one that will reoccur, but are mean girl Alice and sweet girl Becky. I wish we got to see more of Alice during the show, but the actress, you know made the most out of what she got. I think, like, there probably just wasn't enough time to do that, and we will see them again, but, uh, interesting take. It's fun seeing what you guys think. Let's talk about performance highlights, because we gotta give props to to actors who take 
lines of words off a script and bring them to life in a very real way and, and in a way that makes us as the audience connect and really believe in what's happening on the screen. I know that we both said, remember when you were telling me about Colmini. <laughs> Colm, Colmini, yeah, Irish Colmini. actor. Yes. Anyway, the whole tooth pulling scene, I think we yep. both can agree on yep. his side and Dr. Mike's is pretty great acting. Yep. I think the other one I really enjoyed is Joe Lando when Sully was paralyzed. I think he did a great job physically. Like, to be able to physically act like someone's touching you and you can't feel it or to, like, not move, hmm. I just, I think it's interesting and difficult. And I think he also captured the emotional roller coaster that his character was going on during that um, season of his life very well. Hmm. What about you? I mean, I got a shout out to of my list when I think about moments where I was just like, wow. I'm totally captivated by this performance and believing everything this character is saying and doing is Franklin in the Great American Medicine show when he's talking to Sully and cloud dancing about losing his tribe and his family. And Mm. just, I think also knowing that in that moment in the show, he is a voice for many, like that's not just his story. It's unfortunately the story of many, many indigenous peoples of North America But just, I think that performance is a standout, especially for, you know, I I didn't think of him as maybe a really good guest star, but I would add him also to my list. But um, just really, really that performance still stands out to me as really moving. I also think Jim Nobelock in Happy Birthday when he's going through the withdrawal, the alcohol withdrawal. That's true. I just, so believable and heartbreaking and also, Mm. you know, a little bit frustrating because you're like, oh, you did this to yourself. And, you know, just, yeah, the the wrestling of the emotions and just the, the fear and the, yeah, just really, really a good performance. Definitely. We had some people write in and say... Sully in Running Ghost. That's from Grateful Fan who says, in the bed, paralyzed. This is agreeing with me. Went from feeling sorry for himself to joy that he moved his toes to anger, wanting revenge. I couldn't keep up with all the emotions, but I think he does do a a great job with that. Subfishfish added that Michaela, as in Jane Seymour, and her mother, uh, Elizabeth Wyman, in The Visitor. She said, I love the character development in that episode. We also have catherine cutting says the operation everyone during brian's surgery was great as well as totally nicole who says that the scene where the kids come to live with mike everyone does such a good job conveying the hurt and the fear that the characters are feeling which is true i i forgot about that scene a little bit yeah Liz marie says the bridge scene between mike and sully during portraits i think it was a really honest scene They both had really difficult pasts, and it was not easy to open up to someone after having your heart broken. Grateful Fan 2 says, I love how Joe Lando made the character of Sully so believable by learning how to ride bareback and throw the tomahawk. Kudos to Beth Sullivan for finding him. America thanks you. The world thanks you. (laughs) But you've said that, how you thought that was cool that he did learn to do all those things. Yeah, which which is so interesting too because is it a performance then, right? If he really learned those skills, he just throws a tomahawk. It's not really a performance. It's just Joe Lando throwing a tomahawk (laughs) being awesome. (laughs) But yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Superlative, best season one character progression or growth? 
I think actually between you and me and all the write-ins, top vote was for Sully. Everyone said Sully has had the most growth as, and progression as a character in this season. Do you want to add to why you kind of picked him and then we can kind of skim through what everybody else says? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of growth in the way that he handles his relationships, his communication skills, the way that he cares for people. We see, you know, I just think about the pilot, the way that he was very cold and standoffish to the way that he develops relationship with Dr. Mike and her family is a big deal. And I think that our friend Catherine brings up a good point in saying that he went from being a very quiet, in the shadows widower to being the friend and father figure to the Cooper children, and he becomes Michaela's confidant. Petulis agreed. Sully, totally Nicole said, Sully has the best character development. He goes from mysterious stranger to someone Mike and the kids and the audience trust and love. Grateful Fan 2.0 pointed out that I love how Sully slash Joe always comes down to Brian's level when he speaks to him. So kind of showing uh, his mindfulness as a character. And Grateful Fan one, the OG, uh, said that Sully in Bad Water has the most character progression. He started off as such a prideful jerk in that episode, and that episode ended with him and Dr. Mike also both softening and letting their guard down a little bit. But then Rebecca did add in the healing when Lauren gives Sully the deed for the homestead that also shows uh, character growth. I think it also shows relationship development. My vote for character growth and progression is Dr. Mike. Yeah, definitely. But I think that's what you'd expect. And it's not all that her growth is not all even like positive or perfect, but we see her develop. We see consistency with her character and and all that kind of stuff. So I really enjoyed watching her in the Definitely. Season. She's she's the most fun to watch. I think she is the character that develops the most. Which, you know, the show is called Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, but whatever. That's my answer too. <laughs> <laughs> what about your favorite and your least favorite element of season one, just like overall? Anything in general, favorite, least favorite thing? My favorite is just the premise of the show. I remember Dr. Mike talking to Charlotte where Charlotte was like, you're a woman you're a single woman, you're from the city, and you're a doctor. Like all these things put you in this weird category of like trying to do life here. The premise of all of that is really unique and fun and just really fascinating to watch develop. Least favorite elements, I have to say this, I talked about this a lot last episode, but obviously representation is important and so I think recognizing that this is a story that is being told from a white perspective and while they do have characters of color and marginalized people groups hopefully going forward there will still be a mindfulness to how they are presented and trying to tell a a rounded story of of many perspectives and I do think that's a goal of the show so I think where I would say my least favorite elements is when they miss the mark (laughs) yeah I would definitely have to agree with that I think it happens unfortunately A number of times. Obviously, I don't think many of them were purposeful, but I'd agree that that's probably my least favorite too. And I think there are just a lot of inconsistencies of characters, which honestly, 
gave us something to talk about, so I shouldn't be too mad about it. But mm-hmm. those random storylines and consistencies of characters made it difficult sometimes. But my favorite would definitely be just, I mean, I kind of already said it before, but the family aspect, the family theme, the the medicine. I, I really enjoy, like, <laughs> believe it or not, you guys, like, it's helped me, like, in physician assistant school. I When I think about certain things, I think about Dr. Quinn, and then I'm able to relate, like, okay, here's the symptoms, here's how you diagnose, here's how you treat, like, so that's been really fun to be able to, like, one, learn more about it myself, but also share that has been fun for me just overall seeing the show in a different way because I enjoyed that before, but I also didn't, I wasn't in a, some sort of medical schooling, so it's, it's way more fun now. (laughs) On Instagram, TVJunk13 said, I enjoyed season one. It created the buildup for the rest of the stories, but I wish they kept better track of the stories and the characters' personalities. I think it is is really obvious that every episode is written by a different person, and that creates weird moments here and there and inconsistencies. But at the end of the day, I fell in love with Mike from episode one, and I'm struggling to find a series right now that captures me like this, mistakes and all. I think it's because Mike has clear purpose and very distinctive personal and a very distinctive personality that draws you in. Liz Marie in her email said, "What impressed me the most while watching this show again is how amazingly, amazingly well the show has aged. Other shows make me cringe to rewatch, but Dr. Quinn is so current, and it is a shock." Made me sad that some issues in the 1800s are, were still there in the 1990s, but what devastated me is that those same issues are here in 2021. It made me believe that the show was way ahead of its time. Sure, TV now apparently needs more violence and sex, but this show was and is amazing in its own way. It's eye-opening. And our final superlative is just an overall reflection of your enjoyment of season one as a whole. Which I feel like I don't really need to say too much. I kind of just explained why I enjoy it. Like we said, it includes family, romance, history, medicine, community, social issues, so many things, but it's fun to watch and get to know the characters better. I think one of my main things was getting to see Dr. Mike become more confident as a physician and as a mom. It was pretty cool to watch. I think I said this in like our, our introductory episode, looking forward to Not A Lady podcast. Obviously, I have great nostalgia for this show, so I can't watch it now without that being a part of my viewing experience, and I know I'm not alone in that at all. Right. But I also think I said in our introductory episode that Dr. Quinn kind of hits a sweet spot for both you and for me, right? And for me, right. it's, it's like these aspects of history and the animals and the wild west and the the cultures that are brought in like the the native connection like that is something i think that i mean westerns are still a very popular genre i think obviously not as popular as in the what we would call the quote unquote tv land days but there is something about the genre that is very special or not special is probably the the wrong word but it's something that hasn't gone away (laughs) it keeps coming back and i think also the family-friendly nature of the show like i like to describe like shows that i really love are ones that I can watch it with my 10-year-old brother. He's not 10 anymore. But I can watch it with my 10-year-old brother and I can watch it with my mom and I never have to worry about what's going right. to happen next. And there are shows like that are unheard of. Like <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Just to sum up some of the stuff that you guys wrote in, Grateful Fan 
OG said, well, obviously I'm a fan and I do enjoy other seasons better, but you kind of have to have season one to enjoy the rest of the series, which is totally true. Catherine Cunning on Instagram said, season one is my favorite season. Even the episodes I don't care for are good episodes. When my mom told me about this show, I never knew I would fall in love with it from moment number one. Dr. Quinn has allowed me to see this day and age a little bit differently. It has given me insight into the post-Civil War culture that we often forget about. Totally, Nicole says, as a viewer, I really enjoyed getting to know and explore the characters. I also enjoy watching the characters grow and their relationships with one another. I think season one has some of the strongest writing and continuity the show has to offer. And once upon a time, Jane Seymour wrote, I love season one. It's my favorite season because everything falls into place. The portrait episode with the finale with the photo of the city by Daniel Watkins makes me cry every time. Good feelings, guys. <laughs> it's a good show. And, and we finished season one. I know. It's wild. Great superlatives. Thanks for everyone who wrote in. We enjoyed talking about that. So we told you guys that we were going to have a special season one trivia game. However, you guys not only showed up, but you like showed up in a super big way. And there are a lot of questions. So we decided instead of doing the trivia game as a part of our roundup episode, we're going to save it for a special bonus episode, which I know is so exciting. Some of you guys are like, wait, more Not A Lady podcast bonus content? I know, guys, we're living large over here. So yes, please keep an eye out for a bonus trivia game episode. And that means if you're listening to this and you want to send in more questions... (laughs) Feel free to, though we did get a good number. We have not read them. Be so impressed with us. We saved them. So, which means that now I want to talk about the podcast a little bit because this is both of our first podcasts that we've ever created. And we, when Kelly and I started this show, it was really a big part of it was sister bonding. And that's basically what I tell everyone is like True. when they're like, you're talking about Dr. Quinn. Why? And I'm like, because it's a way for my sister and I to Bless. hang out and do something together. And we really thought that there was going to be like 20 listeners of which would be like our mom and our closest friends that we forced to listen. But you, the listeners have been amazing and as I last checked we have had over 6,000 plays across all our different streaming services which is incredible. (laughs) Our episodes have averaged about 94 minutes which this one's probably going to mess up that average but about an hour and a half. Our top three episodes with the most listens of course are the pilot, Law of the Land, that is the power of Johnny Cash, I think. And The Visitor, which I haven't quite figured yeah. that one out yet. But apparently people like The Visitor. Also, what blows my mind is obviously we're both American and I'm currently in the U.S. My sister's currently in the South Pacific. But I'm just shocked because we have listeners from 41 countries. I did the math because I was like, that's a lot of countries. How many countries? That's 40 one countries but technically that's 21 percent of the countries in the world obviously 78 percent of that are usa listeners but i can't believe that so thanks for all of you guys that are listening overseas yeah it's amazing to like canada germany australia the uk are like the top 
for like non-American countries that listen. So if you're from those countries, hey, and if you are like that one person who's living in Slovakia, <laughs> hey, I'm just kidding. We were like reading through the list of countries when we were prepping for this episode and we were both like, oh, really? Really? <laughs> uh, so it's been, it's been pretty amazing. You want to shout out your friends in Turkey and Peru, right? (laughs) Yes, and Peru and Canada. Yep, definitely. And France. Yes. I know we were talking about the length of our episodes before we were talking about countries. And did you know that our longest episode was the pilot, actually? Which isn't super surprising, but... It makes sense. To be fair, Portraits was like three minutes under. (laughs) We had a lot to say. Our shortest one was A Cow Buys Lullaby, which... A Cow Buys? A Cow Buys Lullaby. (laughs) A Cowboy's Lullaby, which I'm not sure why, like if there was a certain reason that was shorter, if there was just less to say, but... You know, the bear was such a great guest star (laughs) that we just like, that's all we really had to talk about. (laughs) I actually, I I do remember why. Uh, The reason was it did not really have any medical or historical context. Oh, <laughs> that's why. So th- there wasn't much extra for us to talk about. <laughs> right. And speaking of like length of episodes, I did the math and we have spent over 42 and a half hours recording content for season one. That is including like our introductory episode, which means that that's wild. In turn, it means that I <laughs> have spent over a hundred and 29 hours editing because it's like real mvp you guys (laughs) it's like for every hour of recording it's about like two to three hours of like editing or something like that i did i figured out the math which means that i spent like a total of five days non-stop editing the podcast which means some of you are like wait editing we didn't know you edited no i know that you're not saying that but your question is probably like wait what so if we've recorded 42.5 hours If you actually look at the podcast, we've actually only released 27 hours of content. So you, listener, if you've listened to every single one of our episodes, have listened to about 27 hours of content, uh, not including, obviously, this one, which means that over 50% of our recordings have not made it online. (laughs) And I know some of you are like, wait, how is this possible? All you guys do is talk. That's what our mom's thinking. (laughs) what is all that stuff that ended up as they say in the in the creative world like ended up on the cutting room floor well i in my editing over the past nine months have been keeping some of our greatest cuts and bloopers this is the surprise that i didn't know about this is a surprise for kelly and a surprise for our listeners i do have a super cut of some of the content that was cut or bloopers that uh, were not kept in final episodes. And you'll probably, when you listen, you'll see why it was cut. And uh, you'll also see... I approve this. You did not approve this at all, but it's happening. And um, it was honestly, it was really fun to, to put together. And literally, as I've been editing through the past couple months... Sometimes if as I was cutting something, I would just throw it into this other file and uh, I compiled it all together. So without further ado, I would like to premiere for the first time uh, Not A Lady Podcast Season 1 Cuts, 
bloopers slash a gag reel of Kelly and I in all our glory. So here we go. Are you recording? Just double check. (laughs) Okay, now I did. Not play, you gotta push record. And a big part of that was at one point, Charles Charles Dickens (laughs) ended up in a... You said Darles Dickens. (laughs) Darles Chickens. (laughs) Sorry, that was funny. That was like me last week. (laughs) Yeah, we're in trouble has gotten older because last we checked with Colleen, she was 13. And we know that Abigail was what, 16 when they got married? No, no, we know that from from Rite of Passage, Abigail was 18. 18. So unless Colleen is suddenly 17 years old, (laughs) I mean, that's that's really bad math. Who am I, you? (laughs) (gasps) I'm bad at math. Yeah, unless she's 16. No, 15. (laughs) I hate that so much. My brain hurts. That's my defense. Unless What's yours? she's 15 years old. Right. My riding instructor, her one, her favorite horse was struck by lightning and died. Hmm. So, the more you know. <laughs> I hate this scene. I hate the riding in this scene. I was like, it's probably because of the horses, isn't it? No. No, they're not on horses. We just talked about that. <laughs> So why did you say riding? Writing. Oh. <laughs> I'm dumb. That literally took writing. me like five seconds. They ask how Colleen is, and... <laughs> you jerk. I really thought you were frozen. I wanted you to think that. And then you kept going, and I'm like, oh, she must have saw me blink. <laughs> no, I just... I, it took me a second. <laughs> um, you sorry. <laughs> the beginning of the episode are getting ready to leave and dot dot. <laughs> Glitch, you're a robot. That was like robot noise. <laughs> Guys, PA school's frying my brain. Can you hear my stomach growling? No, it's so loud. When it's not just like a tiny tiny infarction like yeah it's infarction that's something a medical word what's the word i'm looking for i can be hot take the real hero of this (laughs) hot take the real hero hero. (laughs) i'm just gonna sing all the songs i can think about we have to put some like older references because people don't like that we're doing all this like um forever and ever (laughs) what's that uh peter gabriel it also was in Moulin Rouge. Well, I don't think you did it justice because I didn't recognize it and I know that song. <laughs> wow. wow you probably only know the Stranger Things version. Oh my gosh, that's mean to say. <laughs> I know songs. You know that I listen to a lot of 70s, 80s. Hot take, anyway. the real hero of this episode is Wolf. It's probably my most least liked Right now you have to that understand. Fix that terrible grammar. Most least liked. You're fired. <laughs> Try again. It's not a we not not a Weebly. Not a lady at Weebly W-E-E-B-L-Y. No podcast. Not a lady podcast dot Weebly W-E-E-B-L-Y dot com. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, we, we had a couple 
<laughs> Just go. I don't even know what I'm gonna say. Are you second guessing every time you're saying the word episode now? Because I am. I I literally when I read that I was like, wait, how do other people say it? It's not like episode, 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 episode. I'm like S O D E. How else are you supposed to say that episode? Yeah. No, I am. Which pause? I should have looked this up. Why does he say eagle, not bald eagle? When did the bald eagle become bald? Get named. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? I'm, I'm not. You're right. I'm listening. Yes, you are. <laughs> the first brain surgery ever to be officially done and recorded, mind you, was 1979. Whoa. He removed a brain tumor. That's that's almost 100 years from now, by the way. 100 oh, years wait, wait, wait. from I now in Dr. Thing. Quinn. No, I said the wrong thing. It's 1879. Start over. I'm like, why are you freaking out? <laughs> no what sound effects. Of, there was just the sound of the... ASMR. Okay. <laughs> no. So Olive says, you know, I'm not leaving until I watch you eat. Which I shouldn't have laughed here, but part of me was like, so basically what she's telling Dr. Mike is if you eat, then I'll know that you don't want me here. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't get that because it's, everything seems fine, but you right. know, everything is not what it seems can play into there's an airplane please hold <laughs> it's so loud anything. it's but it's setting off my thing please hold podcast podcast <laughs> no <Nope. laughs> all of our podcast totally streaming <laughs> we then get to see a little bit look inside the 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 Okay. We then are able to go to the school and kind of get in... What is wrong with the words in my mouth? Now, why women, you ask? Simple. They're superior. Women were... <laughs> Just kidding. Do not put that in there. I will get like... I wish. I wish. Don't put that in there. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Unfortunately, women were cheaper. Yeah, that's that's his readiness. What's readiness? What is the... That's not a word, but like, what is it called... What's the noun for ready? Anyway, um... <laughs> Definitely nobody's perfect. Cue Hannah Montana. Don't put that in. People will judge me. <laughs> People will judge me for that reference. Or they'll just be like, wow, your age is showing. <laughs> A really good analysis that I want to share. A really fascinating analysis and s we uh, okay Fran also add a <laughs> <laughs> August September October November December January March April May eight you forgot February <laughs> you definitely just went January March uh, February <laughs> like November, December, was lost January, to my February, brain March April May See you in the next one. We already said yes, that. Yes, we did. I will edit. Okay. Okay, stop. <laughs> How long is Two it? One and a half hour. Oh my gosh. Okay. Sorry. All right. Can Let's I get down to business. Do not include that. I will actually kill you. 
Oh my gosh. I'm busting up laughing as you say. <laughs> that is so funny. Actually though, I some of those I haven't heard. I haven't never heard them. Like and they happen but I never heard them. I mean, that's the funny thing is with me being the one who does the editing. Like I listen to I not only participate but then I also listen. So it's really yeah. I was like, I bet you she won't even remember that she did some of these things. But basically, it's every time I got lots of compliments for all my singing, but that's because every time Kelly would sing, she would tell me to cut it. <laughs> because I'd be like, oh, this is a reference. Someone's going to judge me for knowing or something stupid. I also liked that, that so it, it definitely showcased like our sister moments where you're like, why yes. are you looking at me like that? <laughs> <laughs> and that, and um, I mean, all of this is over Zoom too. So that's what's so funny is... yeah. We're looking at each other. And if really. we didn't edit, you would get so much of us going. Of that. <laughs> start over. Why don't I know English? Oh my goodness, all the time. Especially when we would start. We'd be like, wow, I'm like rusty or something. Yeah. That is sure. so funny. Oh, that's really fun. Yeah, Sarah didn't tell me she was going to do that. She just told me she had a surprise. So that's super fun to listen to. I'm cracking up. Yeah. Also, I sound sometimes I'm like, wow, I sound really dumb. <laughs> us trying to do math. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, no, for real. <laughs> For real, it was really funny. It's been it's been fun like collecting those for the past couple months. You also pointed out the number of times that we said our own website wrong. It's <laughs> basically every episode we would say it wrong. Every episode we'd have to redo that part because she'd be like, "Okay, your turn to do it," and I'd be like, "Not a lady weebly at Gmail, not a lady podcast." Every time having to redo it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, super fun. Oh, that's so funny, Sarah. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Get a little sneak peek behind the scenes. Honestly, I think people, it gives them a better idea of how much work goes into this. Which, because Well, now you know why literally we have 40, what did I say? 42 and a half hours of recording, but we've only published yeah. 27. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even include all the times that, yeah, we'll like go on a rant about something for 20 minutes and only like two minutes of it goes in the podcast. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think the other thing is Kelly and I realize that we sometimes repeat ourselves a lot because <laughs> we get really excited yeah. and then we just talk about the same thing. So yeah, right. definitely that. But thanks for right. those of you who have listened to all 27 hours and now you got a sneak peek into the chaos that is the rest. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so next for our roundup, we want to talk about finalizing our episode ranking. Do you want to read through our list? Yes. We'll start from the bottom. Ranked last right now is Father's Day. That's number 17. Number 16, Heroes. 15, Rite of Passage. 14 is The Healing. 13, A Cowboy's Lullaby. 12, Epidemic. 11, Law of the Land. 10, Portraits. Nine, The Prisoner. Eight is Running Ghost. And seven is The Great American Medicine Show. Number six is The Visitor. Number five being The Secret. Four is The Pilot. And our top three currently. Third place, Bad Water. Second place, Happy Birthday. And ranked number one, The Operation. So the question is... Do we want to change anything? Is there anything you feel could be moved around? Anything you're not really happy with where it's sitting? What are your thoughts? And just to remind everybody, at the end of every podcast, 
Sarah and I rank each episode in a list from our favorite to our least favorite, best to worst. And we do have a set of criteria, which includes what, Sarah? It includes, obviously, personal preference definitely plays a part, but writing, story, performances, themes and values, character development, conflict, memorability, and of course our last one, which I think often is the determiner uh, when we're kind of stuck somewhere, the likelihood to watch again. So, give me your thoughts, sister. Yeah, well, I think I told you at the end of Portraits, because I am the one who edits the episodes, we recorded The Secret, and after The Secret, I was editing. We put The Secret as number five, but I think it's too high. I think it ended up a little bit higher than it should be straight up for because of my love for Joseph Gordon-Levitt. So <laughs> she admits. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's a good episode, uh, but looking at where it sits right now, it sits between the pilot and the visitor, which I mean, yeah. the pilot, the pilot's always such a hard thing anyway. Like part of me is like the pilot shouldn't even be on this list, but because it's so it stands very much alone in a way that most of the rest of these episodes don't. But I definitely like looking at where it's sitting. It's it's definitely too high. I think The Visitor is a better episode. I think The Great American Medicine Show is one of the most well-rounded episodes, and I've said before that I think it's one of the strongest performance-wise. So, I'm looking at Running Ghost. I feel like Running Ghost is definitely the thing about The Secret is also The Secret isn't really about any of our main characters, right? It actually focuses a lot more on Hank and obviously Zach and in turn, right. Brian. It's kind of a Brian-centric episode. So I definitely, it's not as good as The Visitor. I think Great American Medicine Show is better. I think I personally like it better than Running Ghost, but not better than, than The Prisoner. I'd probably put it somewhere in there too. I think I like running I like running ghost a lot, but I'd be okay if it went above that. I mean I do agree that it probably <clears throat> is too high, actually. I'm well, realizing how many great episodes there are though, because I'm like, oh I love that episode. I love that episode. Yeah. But honestly, if you wanted to put it between Great American Medicine Show and Running Ghost, I would be okay with that. That would make it the new seventh place. Yeah, well, but if you like Running Ghost, I'll go under no. Running Ghost. It's no, okay, though. We, we, I usually get my way, so... Oh, what is this? It's still top ten. Good thing I have that recorded <laughs> for future purposes. Unless I edit it out. <laughs> mm, that's true. <laughs> that's true. No, I'm just kidding. But um, I think I, if it's the new number eight, that still puts it in top ten, and I do think it is... It is top 10 material. I stand by the bottom half, like Father's Day, Heroes, Rite Rite of Passage, The Healing, Cowboy's Lullaby. First of all, there's things in those episodes that like personal preference that I don't like. There's conflicts of interest in the theme or in the characters, like doing and saying things that just maybe don't work. I, I would say those are not some of the strongest performances. I stand by the operation. I think operation is well-rounded. I know like things yeah. people, people who definitely are invested in Dr. Quinn because of the Sully, Dr. Mike dynamic are going to be like, no, bad water, happy birthday. Those are better. But I don't think the, the center of the show is just Sully and Dr. Mike. Right. I, as a couple, I mean, like it is about them, but as a couple, it's not necessarily only about them as a couple. It's about them as characters. I mean, I think the operation really shows a well-rounded like, 
uh, conflict as well as like reconciliation between them. I think it's one of the strongest themes when the whole town comes together to build the school. Definitely. I agree. Happy Birthday is a good episode. It has strong performances. Bad Water is like very memorable. Love. It really gives space for the, the characters of Dr. Mike and Sully not only to develop individually but also as a couple which I think a lot of people point out I mean it's unfair the pilot has more time to do more which is why the pilot is still so high the visitor I think is amazing development for Dr. Mike like we we learn a lot about her with her mom being there it makes sense unlike what I said earlier with Ethan Cooper kind of coming in too early I think bringing the mom in so early actually really worked well because we're we were still getting to know Dr. Mike so seeing quote-unquote where she came from versus like where where she is now and where she's headed and then you look at like Running Ghost The Secret the prisoner those are all like high stakes a lot of conflict I definitely I mean the running ghost and the prisoner are more like life and death conflict whereas like the secret and portraits is a more relationship conflict so I what do you have any other thoughts looking at the list I agree with our top five I agree with the list right now like I feel good about the ones we have at the top and good at the ones we have at the bottom. And even the ones that I'm like, oh, I thought I liked that. But I know we had other reasons to rank things for certain, you know, reasons. I really enjoyed portraits. So part of me is like, oh, that's number 10. Like, I feel like it would have made it a lot higher. But then when I look at, oh, you know, Running Ghost, The Visitor, Bad Water. And I think, you know, those were wonderful episodes. So, no, I mean, honestly, I feel good with it. Why did we pick the why did we pick portraits to go under the prisoner? I don't really remember why. We did talk it out, though. I remember us talking it out. I think because a lot of the Native American storyline was much better than that existed mm, yeah. in portraits, which I think was a big factor. Would I change it? Not necessarily. And I wouldn't move Law of the Land up because, I like we talked about, Law of the Land was kind of an unsatisfying ending, at least for me personally. Yeah. Unsatisfying? Dissatisfying? <laughs> yeah, so maybe maybe if we leave it, because that's still number 10. That puts it more or less still in the middle. I feel good about it. Okay. Well, we now have, I will update our official, we'll make it our official ranking. One thing we did tell you guys in the last few episodes is that we would be looking at some of the reviews you've left us over this season. And you guys are super, super kind and have left us a number of reviews. So Sarah and I thought we would read some. And for those of you who didn't get to listen to every episode this season, hopefully it will give you a good reason to come back. We also wanted to like shout out people who have given reviews because I think when you're at home like creating something like this where it's just two sisters having a conversation about a show we grew up on, sometimes it's just nice to, to know that we're not just having fun alone, but that other people are also enjoying it. So Even if we were just having fun alone, it would be worth it. It would be worth it, but I think it's nice to hear from other people. Someone wrote in, Love this Dr. Quinn podcast. It's so well done with interesting historical and medical facts thrown in that go along with the episodes and funny stories too. I can't wait for more episodes. Sarah and Kelly are so enjoyable to listen to. Thank you seriously thank you 
Someone else said it's funny, entertaining, and educational. The world of Dr. Quinn has come alive in a new way in 2020. From deep medical analysis to historical insights big and small, Sarah and Kelly do incredible research all the while, provide fun and thoughtful commentary on each new episode of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. 100% recommend this podcast. I feel like this is going to make me get emotional reading these. This is like so nice. Thank you. Someone else, this is another podcaster, so I do want to shout out to them, said, how did I not know this podcast existed? I love this. I've seen every episode of Dr. Quinn. So much nostalgia and laughs. Excellent. And they are from the Oklahoma side, which I think is a, it's a true crime. It's a true crime podcast. So thank you to other podcasters, indie podcasters supporting each other. (laughs) Seriously, because I know that we've gotten a lot of inspiration from ones that we listen to. True. Somebody else said, fantastic podcast. I adore how in-depth these recaps are, taking it scene by scene, adding historical and medical insights along the way. It's everything I could ask for in a Dr. Quinn podcast. So nice. Someone else wrote, I'm a huge Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman fan since it first aired in the 90s. Granted, I was about seven or eight. Shout out to kids who grew up with Dr. Quinn. <laughs> Shout out to the kids. Shout out to, to the, the kids who the are kids now kids of the adults. streets. <laughs> who now don't know what they're doing. <laughs> oh, okay. gosh. Granted, I was about seven or eight when I first viewed the show, but I have vivid and colorful memories of this show. I got back into it during quarantine as it helped me think about many aspects of life during a turbulent personal year, as so many of us had. Congratulations on a great podcast. Thank you. Great podcast about my favorite show. If you are a fan of Dr. Quinn, this podcast will not disappoint. (laughs) someone said love it you girls can talk up a storm (laughs) guess who that was you guys (laughs) our mom reviewed us our mom thanks mom (laughs) hey mom guess where we got it from (laughs) (laughs) oh accurate talk about a talker and the final one two sisters provide a fun modern take on the 90s beloved drama dr quinn kelly provides interesting medical details from her experience as a med student and sarah shares interesting historical perspectives from her love of history and research if you love dr quinn and find yourself wanting more this is the podcast for you thank you you guys are really sweet and kind. It's been super fun for us to do this, so I'm super glad that other people have enjoyed because, yeah, we did not imagine it would be like this. And we have not officially announced it, though I think some people have just assumed. Uh, but when we started this podcast, we actually had no plans to do more than season one just because we didn't know where we would be uh, life-wise and also because... We were like, let's let's just try this uh, for season one and see if we can do it. And we did, and here we are. So we would like to officially confirm that we are planning to continue for a second season. And uh, we're going to take it one season at a time. So right now we are committing to we're going to do season two of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Not a Lady podcast will return for a second season. Details to come. We don't have a huge amount of details on it yet. I know that I, having just moved abroad, am, am trying to figure out where to watch season two. Uh, Some people have written in and been like, hey, if you get a VPN, Paramount Plus in Canada has Dr. Quinn. And someone also told me that in in my area, in Oceania, you can get Dr. Quinn 
possibly on Apple TV if you have Apple products. So definitely gonna be looking into that, but that's what's next for us. Like I said, more details to come. We don't have much of a plan other than that, but we will for sure let you know. So I guess this is where we start to wrap up and just say thank you a thousand times over to everyone who's listened, who's written in, who's had patience with us as we figure out PA school and moving across the country and figuring out life this year. You guys have been really kind and understanding. So thank you. Yeah, let, let's talk about like the really the, the positivity of the Dr. Quinn fandom. Like you guys have just been really, really encouraging to us. And uh, that means a lot. I guess I want to thank my sister Kelly for agreeing to do this podcast with me. <laughs> Oh, don't go and get emotional on me now. No, but really it was like, it was the most on a whim. It it might be the most on a whim thing that I've ever done and just been like, you know what? I want to start a podcast about Dr. Quinn and I'm going to ask Kelly to do it with me. And then you said, yes. Don't sound so shocked. I think actually though, it is kind of not surprising, but you're very creative and have a lot of ideas for like, so many things to do and I'm like you were really adamant about you know making this happen and so yeah I'm so glad we did it and I feel like we got a lot closer because of it and I feel like we've spent a lot of our sisterhood like coming up and being reminded of all the ways that we're different and I feel like this is one thing that reminded me that we're not so different so yeah it's been awesome and I'm really glad we did it and we are doing it And it's probably, like, the most time, honestly, we've spent together actually since I, like, moved out at 18 for the most part. You know, other than, like, family. Obviously, family holidays, but, like, I'm talking, like, just the two of us. Period time, yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. So, we do have a few more people to credit because while we are the voices you hear, we are not the only contributors to this podcast. The Not A Lady podcast theme titled This Is The Wild West was used with permissions and composed by Dominic Hauser. The blooper reel music is titled The Wheeling Saloon by the Feister Brothers. You can find more of their music on Brandon and Derek's YouTube channels. Feister is spelled F-I-E-C-H-T-E-R. Our logo art was hand-drawn in pencil by Emily Neff, and the logo design was created by Andrew Bradford. You can find more of his work on YouTube and Instagram at Africa Cameraman. My name is Sarah. And this is Kelly. Thank you so much for joining us for season one of Not A Lady, a Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman podcast. See you on the flip side. If you enjoyed this podcast, please click now to give it a five-star rating. The ratings help people discover the podcast and help us connect with more Dr. Quinn fans around the world. If you have some time, why not send the podcast to a few friends? Both of these things help us grow our audience and bring you more great episodes. If you enjoy this podcast, you might also enjoy visiting our website, 
www.notaladypodcast.weebly.com. There you'll find important resources and content related to our podcast. There are also links to our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook pages where fans can connect with other Dr. Quinn fans and Not A Lady listeners.